of scripture this morning. First one is taken from the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 53, verse number two. And the second is Hebrews chapter 12, verses one and two. Let's look at Isaiah 53, verse two. Who has believed, if you have the ESV version, I would prefer that for today's message, ESV, if there is ESV version. Bible says, who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Verse 2 says that, for he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of the dry ground. He had no form of majesty that we should look at him. And no beauty that we should desire him. That is Isaiah 53 verse 2. Just want you to know that this verse is talking about Jesus Christ. In Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, Bible says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight. And sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance. The race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus. Somebody say, looking to Jesus. The founder and perfecter of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him. Endured the cross. Despising the shame. And is seated at the right hand. Of a throne of God. Amen. Today is communion Sunday. And as I prepped for the message for this morning. The Lord 
put two themes in my spirit. Number one, to fix our eyes on Jesus. This morning during the prayer time, the Holy Spirit used our brother to reveal that or to let us know. Fix our eyes on Jesus. And the other is the things that distract us. The things that take us away from our belief in Jesus Christ. So I just want you to stick with me on these two themes, even as we hear the word. The whole chapter 53 of Isaiah talks about Jesus Christ, why we need him, why what he accomplished, his birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection. And it also tells us the need for us to receive him. I know that Isaiah 53, if you read it carefully, it is not so obvious for those of you who maybe you're reading it for the first time. It, it doesn't come so obvious that Jesus is the one that he, the prophet is talking about. But I just want you to know that the prophet was talking about Jesus and his purpose on earth. But when you read Isaiah 1, he said that who has believed what he has heard from us? ESV coins it a little bit different, but what it means is who has believed what he has told us? Who has believed what he has said to us? Isaiah wanted every one of us to understand that the things that Jesus said to us we have many people who have not believed. And he said that, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? The context of that verse is that people haven't believed in Jesus Christ. People are wallowing in the sin of unbelief. No matter how you present Jesus Christ to them, they don't believe. But the good news is, the arm of the Lord is revealed to these people and they come to believe. So once in a time, once upon a time, all of us were in the verse 1a category of people who were not, had not believed in Jesus Christ. And then the arm of the Lord stretched forth towards us and caused us to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. So Isaiah is saying that believe in Jesus Christ is an important fabric of our lives. And then verse 2, he talks about what has actually caused people to backtrack from their belief in Jesus Christ. What has prevented people to move away from believing Jesus Christ to a point in their lives where they don't believe anymore. And I'm telling you, this is so practical. Because in this day and age, there is such an onslaught on the faith that we've subscribed to that many people, many people, even though they claim they believe in their hearts, they don't believe anymore. What has happened? Isaiah in verse 2 highlights three areas that all of us need to be very particular about. And these are areas in the lives of the people who lived, particularly who lived in the, during the time of Jesus Christ, 
that caused them to lose faith and believe in this Jesus. And basically, the verse 2 is, in my presentation, is just warning us to beware of these things. I know that it doesn't come out very clearly when you read the scripture, but stick with me. And in Hebrews 12, it says that once you've believed in him, fix your eyes on this Jesus. Hallelujah. He said that since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, talking about the men of faith, the men and women of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, these people who accomplished said mighty things because they believed in Jesus Christ, they believed in God. They are the cloud of witnesses who are around cheering us on for those of us who have believed in this dispensation. These cloud of witnesses are cheering us on, but... The writer of Hebrews did not say that we should dwell on what they are doing or we should fix our eyes on them. You would believe that when you talk about Abraham, you talk about Isaac, Jacob, you talk about Noah, you talk about Sarah, you talk about all these great people who had faith. They were marked because of the faith they had in Christ. They saw the promise afar. They could not live to the promise. They died, but they died believing and they are clouds of witnesses cheering you and I on. But the writer of Hebrews said, despite the fact that they are important people in the faith, don't fix your eyes on them. But fix your eyes on Jesus. Say amen. Or oh, I say, say amen. So what is the reason for such unbelief during the time of Jesus and in fact, during our time, because I see that that is an example that we can lean on and then use that example to help us even in our faith right now. What is the reason for such unbelief that Isaiah talked about in Isaiah chapter 53, verse number one? In verse two, he enumerates the reasons. The first one that he talked about is that we are distracted or the people back then they were so much distracted by what I called wrong considerations. Verse 2. He said that, For he grew up before him like a young plant, speaking of Jesus, and like a root out of dry ground. Just pay attention to the words. Jesus grew up. Isaiah is describing the birth of Jesus, his, his growth. And he said that he grew up before him like a young plant and like a, a root out of dry ground. In other words, Isaiah is saying that Jesus was like a root out of a dry ground or there was nothing in his background that would lead anyone to expect any good thing from him. Remember that he was born in Bethlehem, but he grew up in Nazareth. Remember that after his birth, shortly after his birth, as a young refugee, his mother and his father took him, took him to Egypt and brought him back. And when he came back, they settled in Nazareth. We call him Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And it is not a compliment. It means Jesus Christ who grew up in a place of disgrace, a place of poverty, 
a place that was despised. People back then would not believe in him because they were distracted by his social status. We read in John 1. The Bible says that when Jesus called Philip and Philip came to know who Jesus was, Jesus was excited and went to Nathaniel. And he said, Nathaniel, come, I have met this man called Jesus. Where is he from? Then Philip said, he's Jesus from Nazareth. Remember exact words of Nathaniel. He said that, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Isaiah said that he was born, his birth and, and, and his growth was like a shoot out of dry grounds. And because of that, people were distracted. They could not perceive the kind of person this Jesus was. So many people would not believe him. Philip gave Nathaniel a great answer. He said, Nathaniel, just come and see. Don't dismiss this Jesus so easily. Nathaniel, I know that he is a dry shoot, a shoot that comes out of a dry land. I know that he seems little, he seems small in your eyes because he was born in Bethlehem, but he was bred in Nazareth. And I know that you understand that Nazareth is probably, I don't know, in Ghana, maybe a place called um, uh, Fenchenico. Nobody knows those names. That was where he grew up in. I know that you don't regard him, but Nathaniel, don't let that distract you. Come and see Jesus for yourself. Don't dismiss the gospel too easily. Come and see things for yourself. We remember also that when Jesus went to the synagogue in his hometown and taught and opened scripture and taught the people, they listened, but the comments they gave that showed that they did not believe in him because of the place he came from. They said, is this not the carpenter's son? Is his mother not Mary? We know his brothers, James, Simon, and Judas. Not the Judas Iscariot. Jesus, Judas, Jesus' brother. We know their sisters. How then can this man divide the word of scripture like that? We know him. He's a carpenter's son. He comes out of this ordinary family. We know his brothers. We know his sisters. We know his mother. There is no way that we can believe in the words that he is speaking. They were distracted by wrong consideration of who Jesus was. There's a scripture also in John chapter, I believe John chapter 7, 47. Bible says that the Pharisees sent some people, some officials to uh, go to Jesus, assess the situation, assess who he was, and bring them a report. Seize him and bring him a report. Bible says that they went and saw Jesus and then when they visualized and saw the way this man was stalking, they came back and said that this man, we cannot touch him because no one has spoken the kind of words that he's talking about. They saw that he's a great man. But the Pharisees were so prejudiced 
from where he came from that this he answered the the Pharisees told told them that so you also have believed in what these guys have believed concerning this Jesus we know him he doesn't come from the elite society they were distracted by these considerations about Jesus beloved of God it will surprise you that many people who once upon a time they were steeped in this faith who did great things, who mentioned the name of God and preached the gospel at some point in their lives they just let go, they just let it off because of distraction. This morning I was discussing this with my wife and one of the names that we came about was Dr. Matt Ehrman. This man was a great man of God. In uh, 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 Chapel Hill University, he led one of the greatest movements in Bible study. For a long time, Dr. Matt Ehrman came to a point in his life that he doesn't believe that Jesus Christ even resurrected anymore. Look, distractions can let you turn your eyes away from Jesus. So let us be careful. The things that can strike at the core of our belief, of our faith. Let us not be distracted. Isaiah also mentions something besides the distraction. Isaiah mentions something that leads to the fact that many people are drawn to wrong priorities. Jesus is no longer a priority for many people. The same verse 2, he says, he had no form of or majesty that we should look at him. No form or majesty that we should look at him. When you look at this Jesus, there is nothing about him. Those times when they looked at him, there was nothing about him that at the first sight of him made him special. So their priority was not in Jesus. Not only the people back then distracted and even in this dispensation the same, but also they were drawn to wrong priorities. I read a survey when I was preparing for the message and the survey wanted to spell out or wanted people to answer some questions and out of that they gleaned the seven most important things that many people in America cling to. Seven. I'm going to give you the results from number seven. Number seven, people are more interested in health and fitness. Comes at number seven, 29%. And then number six, people are more interested in travel. Hallelujah. This is what surprised me a little bit. Video games came number five. Like video games? That really took me aback. And then number four, pets. People are drawn to pets. That gives me an idea where that survey was sent to. But people were, are drawn to pets. And then number five on the list. I mean number three on the list. People are drawn to reading and writing. These are, these are the priorities of people at least here in America. I don't know about outside of America. Ghana, India, Africa, I don't know. But here in America where we find ourselves, these are the priorities. Priority number two, food. 
People love food. That's number two on the agenda. Give me Jesus. Give me food. I'll take food anytime. According to these ones, number one on the survey list, 52% of people in America are drawn towards music. That is number one. That is what gets people's attention. Isaiah is telling us that unbelief is the overwhelming response when the message of God comes forward and it is because people are distracted but also people have wrong priorities. To the person who does not believe in Jesus, I want you to take a serious look at yourself, at your life. Look, spend all the time on food. Spend all your time on travel and video games and pets reading and writing and music, listen to all the music you want. But I want you to know that it is important for you to consider your soul. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. God has created you as a human being in his image, has put his spirit in you. Let us not be drawn into other priorities. Let us know what is at stake. What is at stake is your soul. What is at stake is my soul. And what my soul needs. Bible tells us clearly that Jesus said that if we confess him before men... He will also profess him before men. He will also profess us before his father. We want to, we need to keep Jesus as our number one priority. Isaiah said that people's priority was not Jesus during that time. Nothing special about him. Remember that he took a kiss to even identify him. When you saw the man in crowd, you couldn't point him out. So, it didn't matter to many people. They were driven by other priorities. People didn't believe in Jesus anymore. People don't believe in Jesus. Many people do not believe what they claim they subscribe to right now because there have been so much distraction and there have been so much turn around concerning priorities in their lives. Distractions and priorities. When I was thinking about the fact that Isaiah said he was a dry shoot. He was a dry root that shot out of the dry ground. I mean, tells me that there's no celebrity about this man. There's nothing. There was, I wish I could see a true movie of how Jesus looked like. I know that the people have their perception of how he looks like. Sometimes they even uh, paint him as, um, you know what I mean. But Jesus there was no calmness about him, according to uh, King James Version. And so because of that, he was not priority for many. In fact, his own brother James did not believe him 100% until after his resurrection. So don't look at me and say, Pastor, as for me, don't worry about me. There's no way his own brother James, who saw him perform miracles, who saw him going back and forth, ministering to people, even James, it was only after the resurrection that he came to a firm belief 
as to who this Jesus is. Don't let things distract you. Make sure that you make him your priority. It is a conscious effort. You need to be deliberate about it because the things that will distract you and I, especially here in the States, you know that there are many, there are plenty. So Isaiah said, there was nothing in him, no form or majesty that we should look at him. That is why he began and said that, who believed in this man? Because there was nothing in him. They didn't see anything in him. They were distracted by their consideration. They were distracted by the priorities they had in their lives. And then the third thing that Isaiah talked about, and we'll bring our message to an end very, very soon, is that we are driven by our wrong desires. Verse 2, the last part says that, and no beauty that we should desire him. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Like I said, Bible doesn't show us the physical description of Jesus. But when you saw him, nothing, you would not have any desire. And because of that, people didn't believe in him. John 5, 44. Scripture says something there that I want us to consider. To buttress this point. John chapter 5 verse 44. If you can project that for us please. John chapter 5 verse 44. How can you believe. Who receive honor. From one another. And do not seek the honor. That comes. From the only God. How can you believe. When you receive honor. From one another. How can you believe. When all you desire is affirmation from one another. When you don't desire affirmation from God, how can you believe when your desire, there's something on the inside of you does not, that does not desire the affirmation of God, does not desire the things of God, your desire is outplaced, is mismatched. How can you believe? People are distracted by wrong considerations. They looked at Jesus, where he comes from, and they don't believe. People are distracted, or people are moved away from the faith because of wrong priorities. And also, there's no desire in them because of the way this Jesus looked like. So this morning, I want you to take an honest look at yourself. This morning is about you as an individual. You know where you are. You know where you stand concerning trust, faith, hope, and believe in this Jesus. Are you distracted by some things? Is he truly your priority? Do you desire for, for something else as opposed to this Jesus? The book of John talks about the things that takes us away from the faith, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye. He comes from Nazareth. Nobody should see that direction. The pride of life. I come from somewhere else. Pride of life. There's no desire. He's not part of our priority at all. I want you to take 
a serious look at your life. Where do you place? Where do you stand? What has distracted you so much that the only desire you have to come to church is on Sunday? But after Sunday, Monday through Saturday, business as usual, what are the priorities? Does the faith sound a little bit too simple for you to the extent that you don't believe it? The Bible says he takes the base things of this world to confound the wise. The gospel doesn't have to be complicated. Jesus came. He died for us. He was buried. He rose on the third day. He gives power back to us and redeemed us and ascended on high and sent the Holy Spirit to come and help us overcome sin and teach us unto all things. That sounds simple, but that is the gospel. And we need to take this as it is and move and pursue growth in this area. So the writer of Hebrews said, look, this Jesus, you don't need anybody else. The cloud of witnesses, they are there to push you on, to encourage you. But at the end of the day, this Jesus is the one you need to look up to. Don't let anything distract you. Set your priorities right and make sure that your considerations concerning him is on spot. The good news is, through the communion, he knew that a time will come in our lives that we'll be distracted. He knew that a time will come in our lives that we will put him on the bottom of the priority list. A time will come in our lives that we will not consider him at all. And so he said that we need to remember don't forget, church, don't forget, remember that I broke my body for you. Remember that I shed my blood for you. Do these as often as you can. One of the things that really excites me in Matthew 26, when Jesus was given the communion, the Bible says that after he broke the bread, and then before he gave the blood, before he gave the wine, the fruit, the, the fruit of the vine, the Bible said that he gave thanks. He knew that he was going to shed his blood that was going to give his people victory. He gave thanks in advance. That is the Jesus we are serving. He gave thanks in advance. He's literally telling us that you need to be able to stand on your two feet and give thanks to God because victory is in your hands through the blood of Jesus Christ. You can tell the devil to actually go to hell where he came from. Hallelujah. That is where he came from. So we can, as Christians, as people of God, as we gather here, we can stand on our two good feet and focus on Christ and actually instruct the devil to go to hell where he came from, the pit of hell. But what are the things in your life that are distracting you? That are a distraction? I won't stand here and give you a list. You know yourself. The things in your life that are a source of distraction. Do you prioritize Christ first in your life? Or do you consider this whole story as base, as too simple. The author and finisher of the faith comes from Nazareth. Nothing good will come out of that place. Or are you fixing your eyes on Jesus?
Or are you rearranging your priorities? I submit to you, PIWC, and everyone that is sitting here, first-time visitors and members of the church, I submit to you this morning, fix your eyes on Jesus. Determine to not let anything distract you. May the Holy Spirit help us open our eyes, open our minds to understand, to see the things in our lives that are such destructive or distraction to us. And may he help us turn around and look to Jesus. Bible says in John 10, 10, the thief comes not but to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Somebody called a thief. His job is to steal that faith from you. His job is to steal that faith from you by distracting you, by causing you to reprioritize your life and putting him on a bottom scale. But this Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. I speak to you and it is my prayer and it is my hope that because you are receiving this word by faith, the Holy Spirit will turn things around in your spirit, in your hearts and bring your lives back on track. Those that have been distracted, if you are here and you are so sinless, you are so pious, there's no mistake in your life, that's fine. May the Lord bless you. But if you are like me, that sometimes I get distracted. Sometimes the priorities shift a little bit. Sometimes you question some one or two things. I want to encourage you that fix your eyes on Jesus. The communion bring you to remembrance that this man shed his life, shed his life for us. He died. Didn't he die? He died. He was buried. But on the third day, he rose because of the power of the spirit that was exerted on the grave. He rose. And he gave us back that which we need. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. May we reprioritize our life this week. Let us take it one week at a time. This week, may we rearrange the priorities and say that, yes, Isaiah said that there was no commonness about him. There was no thing, nothing special about him, but we see something special about this man, Jesus. He is our savior. He is our savior. He is our savior. He was so compassionate. The Bible says that whilst we were sinners, he came to die for us. And in the Hebrews 12, the Bible says that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He had something ahead of him. He had you and I in mind. This morning, may we remember. And through that remembrance, may we ask the Holy Spirit to help us reorient our minds, rearrange our lives, and reprioritize our lives and give our all to Jesus. Finally, Jesus gives us the opportunity right now. He's giving us the opportunity right now to renew our faith. To renew our faith. I know that so many things happen. I don't care about what happened last week. I don't care about what happened before 8.45 as soon as you enter this place, 9.45, as soon as you enter this place, 10 a.m., there's fresh anointing for you. There is fresh opportunity for you to renew your faith. 
to renew your faith, to patch it back up. Bible says that, look, I believe that during communion time, that is a time that everybody needs to flock to the house of the Lord and have this remembrance and look back and say that I appreciate what this God has done for us. And this morning, that's exactly what we are about to do. Because if you discover that you have sinned and you need Jesus Christ with his outstretched hands, Isaiah said that with the arm of the Lord, he will receive you. Who has believed what has been heard of us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of a dry ground. He had no form of majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. But we need to fix our eyes on this Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Shall we be on our feet? Shall we humbly be on our feet? This morning, I just want you to just ponder